Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. This morning, we're bringing you a nice, cool conversation with a new special guest on our podcast. I want to welcome in Mike Cleansing to the podcast. Welcome, Mike. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Get a chance to uh, chop it up with you, talk a little hoops today. Yeah, man. Awesome. So our uh, our co-founder, Brendan Winters, was on your podcast, the Hoop, Hoop Heads podcast, which is what we will get into largely today, um, the bulk of our conversation. But just to introduce Mike, Mike is the Head Start Basketball founder and executive director. He's also a licensed USA Basketball Youth Development coach, as well as a Positive Coaching Alliance certified trainer. Uh, got all the titles there, Mike. Sounding like you're out of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm introducing you um, to our crowd. So how about I give you a minute here? I would love for you to inform our audience who may not know what Head Start Basketball is. I'd love to get a, a quick brief background of what exactly Head Start Basketball is and, and what caused you to start uh, Head Start. Sure. So I was, as a kid, grew up loving the game of basketball, uh, basically played my entire life, had an opportunity to play Division One college basketball at Kent State, got done with my playing career, and as I had been playing, I worked at some other camps. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I uh, worked at Ron Harper's camp here in Cleveland, worked at uh, Michael Jordan's camp one summer, worked at some other camps uh, and college campuses, and just kind of had an idea in the back of my head that at some point I might want to start my own camp and I actually have a friend whose name is Scott Roth he was the uh played at the University of Wisconsin played a few years in the NBA mm-hmm. he's coaching the Timberwolves G League team and Scott had a camp here in my hometown and I worked at it I think this was maybe the summer before my senior year of college and he ended up having uh, 65 70 kids at the camp and okay. worked around at the camp and I said well boy he's doing a great job with this but i'm not sure that his name is any well known than mine is here in my hometown and so i think maybe i want to try and start my own thing and so the initial thought for head start basketball was i wanted to run some neighborhood camps and so in our community we had at the time eight elementary schools so my first year of camp i ran one camp at each one of the elementary schools with the thought being that kids could walk or ride their bike. And it was a different era mm-hmm. when kids used to do that yeah. and not just get driven everywhere by mom and dad. But, uh, so I started out that way. And then after a year or two, I ended up consolidating, but the camp's been around now for this summer is going to be my 28th year wow. of running camp wow. primarily been for elementary school age kids. And so it started there for a long time. Uh, I just ran the camps in my hometown. Then I ended up getting a teaching job in another part of the Cleveland area, added a camp closer to where my teaching job was. And then at that time, I was still coaching high school basketball. I was an assistant varsity coach for the first, I don't know, 14 years maybe of my teaching career and was running the camps in the summertime. And about 10 years ago, I gave up that coaching piece of it and started putting more focus on Head Start Basketball, added some training to the business, added some other events throughout the year, just some short mini camps, like a holiday camp and some different things over spring break and that kind of stuff. And so just kind of slowly expanded it. It's always been, it's always been a great thing for me to be able to stay in touch with the game and to be able to give back. And Mm -hmm. I've always enjoyed working with the, you know, that younger age group. That's kind of been my, been my sweet spot, sweet spot with Head Start Basketball and obviously on the training side of it, I've worked with some older kids as well. And then 
I guess now in June of uh, 2018, we started the podcast. That's yeah. kind of become the next chapter of what we're doing. So that's the that's the short story of how Head Start Basketball came to be. Yeah, man, that's awesome to hear because, you know, here at Pro Skills, that's how that's how we started back in, in 2009 with Brendan and Logan. They were just running summer camps and, um, right. you know, it built into we're running teams and stuff. But, you know, it sounds like for you, it's built into podcasts and other avenues. So I think for anyone out there, it's exciting to hear that, you know, if you start these summer camps, if you love the game and you can get kids there, it you never know what direction it can take you. So it's Cool to hear another another story from that side. I also want to add, you played at Kent State. I did a little research on you. You were in the thousand point club, so you could you could get I a couple buckets. <laughs> get a couple buckets back then. What position did you play? How how were you able to put a thousand points up on the board by the end of your Great career? Great question. So I got some good stories to relate to this. So okay. coming out of high school, uh, I was a kid who was six three, not super athletic kid. I could always shoot, uh, but I think that when people started looking at me in high school. Nobody necessarily thought that I projected as a Division One player necessarily, and so yeah. there was a bunch of guys. As I was heading into my senior year, there were a bunch of guys here in the Cleveland area that I played against all the time in the summertime, probably from the time I was in ninth grade. And I started looking around as they signed with different schools, and I said, "I'm as good as that guy. I'm better yeah. than that guy. How's he getting to go there?" And I'm still kind of sitting around. And it's funny because at the time, my high school coach had never had anybody be recruited. My parents obviously never had anybody re-recruited. Mm-hmm. I had never been recruited. So there wasn't as much information as there is out there today. You think about a kid who's being recruited today, even if their high school coach maybe isn't that aware of what's going on, and even if their parents aren't that aware of going on, what's going on, they can find information. Well, I didn't have yeah. any information. So going into my senior year, I was being recruited by Kent State where I ended up, and they asked me to come down for an official visit. And at that point, I still thought that, the letters from Ohio state and North Carolina and Duke were going to be coming in real soon. Yeah. (laughs) And so I ended up telling them, no, I don't want to come down for an official visit. I'll just come down on an unofficial visit. And, you know, I want to check it out, but don't pay for it. Cause I want to save my official visits for these bigger schools, which coach those those bigger schools never called. And I still remember I went down with my mom and I still remember us going into the coach's office, meeting with the coaches. And then, walking out after that and then going to eat at Wendy's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, our, on our own dime. Yeah, and yeah. so then it became a case where during the season, uh, those calls kind of stopped coming and Kent kind of got off me. Uh, I didn't hear from him very much, but come the end of the season, uh, I had a couple of schools that were still interested, but I was still interested in Kent just because they had been interested in me. So I called back up down to the coaching staff and ended up coming out and seeing me play at the end of the season. And I think they had, Lots of scholarships out there still. They had somebody leave. They had somebody that they were looking at that ended up not going there. I ended up being the seventh freshman in a class of seven and and making my way and getting an opportunity to go and play Division One basketball. And it ended up turning out to be a really good situation for me. And I had a couple other schools that were recruiting. There was one school that I'll never forget this story. It was an NAI school mm-hmm. down in Atlanta called Oglethorpe. And I met with the coach there. And I'll never forget this conversation. He told me, during the course of that conversation, he's like, Mike, he goes, you know, you could go to one of these division one schools that's recruiting you. He goes, you're going to be a borderline recruit there. You're going to be there for a year and they're going to recruit right over the top of you. Yeah. He goes, you can come down here to Oglethorpe, have a great career and you could score a thousand points and <laughs> you know, you can have a great career. And then, yeah. so the fact that you mentioned that I did make the thousand point club was one of those things that if I look back on, my career from an individual standpoint, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of great team things that you got a chance to do and accomplish and be a part of. But that thousand points 
I ended up with a thousand six, and I'll never forget in the last oh, game. Yeah, in the last game, unfortunately, we lost in the uh, in the, the Mid America Conference tournament. But I was able to score. I think I needed. Huh, I think I needed. Let's see. I think I needed thirteen, maybe, to get to um, you know to get to a thousand points. Yeah. No, I needed eleven, and I ended up getting seventeen. There you go. Uh, so to get to that thousand point club, it's, it's obviously it's just a just a number, but the difference between nine ninety nine and a thousand is oh, yeah. a thousand. You're always going to be on that list. Uh, it's something that they can't take away from you. And then it was just a blessing. I ended up in a great place with a coach, Jim McDonald, who respected the things that I did well. Uh, ended up playing a very little my freshman year, probably I don't know, four or six minutes. That was a tough year, first time in my career for players out there that you know we see so many guys that go to a situation and it doesn't work out right away and they end up transferring. And for me, that freshman year was, was tough. It was the first time in my entire life that and I was basically told, hey, you're not good enough to be out on the floor and yeah. play. And yeah. so I had two choices. I could have given up or I could have just put my nose to the grindstone and kept working. And I decided to take that route. And then it worked out for me because my last three years, I was able to start and be a part of the teams uh, that you know had some success mm-hmm. and obviously found some individual success as well. So I, things worked out really, really well for me. And you know, I could have gone to another place maybe where my skills and the things that I did well might not have been uh, – as respected as they were uh, with Coach McDonald at Kent, so I, I'm I'm happy with my career. I'm happy with my choice, and yeah. I think that uh, you know things could have worked out differently for me. But I'm super glad that I had an opportunity to play Division One basketball. I'm thankful for that opportunity every day. Yeah, man. As I mentioned, the the point of this podcast is to talk about your podcast and and what you've sure. done from it. But I got to run with that for one moment, if you don't mind, sure. because Absolutely. we're talking a lot on our podcast about kids these days who we're in a very similar position to you. They see guys going places and they think, "Hey, I can play there. Hey, I can play there." But all along, there's a school or two that that really appreciates them. And and as it sounded like Kent State did, they they wanted you. And and I think kids a lot these days especially in the social media area era get caught up in seeing kids go in other places and then they try to shoot a little higher than maybe what was best for them like you said they end up at a school that maybe wasn't right for them they have a rough first year they get frustrated they transfer and then their career just ends up I'm sure many of them look back on it and they're like, man, I, I wish I would have gone to that Kent State or that team that was right. there for me in the early stages. I'd love, real quickly, before we jump into your podcast, what what is your advice now that you've had that experience looking back on that and, and you were able to score 1,000 points, which is a huge accomplishment. If you only had 998, I wouldn't have mentioned it here today. You know, like you were <laughs> right, able exactly. to get so that true. notch because you went to the right level for you and, and you, you got over the, hey, Duke's not calling you know like some of those schools aren't always going to call i'd love for you to real quick give our our listeners some advice on this wild college recruiting world of of trying to pursue these go after the school that wants you yeah i think there's a lot to be said for that i think if you end up at a place where the coaching staff and you are a good fit the style of play is a good fit the school itself forget Mm -hmm. about the basketball program but the school itself is a good fit, mm-hmm. then I think you're more likely to have a good experience. And to go along with that, I'll say too that I think probably if you had looked at my situation, I think there probably would have been a lot of people that would have told me that I was aiming above what my true level was. I think yep. there were a lot of people that probably would have told me, hey, Mike, you're probably better off going and playing at a Division three school where, again, you're going to have a great career. And yeah. if you go to Division one, you may not get the opportunity to play. And so I think it's I think this is the problem that we run into sometimes is that when you're an 18 year old kid, it's hard for you to say, 
well, I have one offer from this higher level. I don't know if I should take that. I think I, you know, clearly then if you only have one, let's say it's again, you're deciding between a division one school or a division or a bunch of division three schools yep. that want you, which is kind of the situation that I was in. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me. It would have been hard for somebody to tell me at that point, Hey, you should take those division three offers because 95% of the people out there think that you're a division three player. Yeah. Uh, and yet I thought that I was That's a division one player. It turned mm-hmm. out, turned out that I was right. But I think the only reason I was right is because I ended up, whether it was through luck or circumstance or whatever, I ended up in the right place mm-hmm. for me where I could be able to utilize my talents at that level. And so I think for people that are out there, the advice I would give is one, make sure that the school, the coaching staff and all that is the right fit for you. And then two, no matter what level you go to, and let's say you are going to, I'm, I'm going to use the word reach here. Like mm-hmm. I did yep. maybe yep. going at, you know, maybe you do have that one division one opportunity. I don't think you can go into it then with the idea that I'm going to play 26 minutes a game as a freshman. And if that doesn't work out, then like you mentioned, guys go, they get disgruntled, they get disillusioned and then they leave. And what could have been a promising career at the right fit ends up being someplace that their career just kind of goes nowhere. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think the danger. And, and today, I think people are better informed of what's out there. I think there's a lot more good advice in terms of we've talked to so many guys on the podcast, whether it's coaches, guys who have played at all different levels of college basketball. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that they always share is you have to find the right fit yep. for you yep. and you can't worry about the level. And I, my thought process has also changed a little bit from my perspective as a player mm-hmm. to now as the perspective of a coach and yeah. the perspective of a parent. And what I look at it from those standpoints is you want to find a place where you can be happy. And that includes that you're happy with the basketball situation, but you're also happy with the school, the social fit, all that stuff is so, so important because I think we get really, really caught up in this idea that, our basketball career is the most important thing. And don't get me wrong. When I was 17 years old, basketball was the most important thing to me. There's no question. Yeah. But I think we look back and I look back on it. And what I see when I look back on my career is the fact that all the things that I was able to do in the game helped me off the floor, helped me to be successful later on as an adult. And I think now that when we as adults give kids advice for what we want them to do with their basketball career. I think it can't just be about basketball. It has to be about the fit. It has to be about making sure that you're in the right place, that the program is turning out quality students and quality citizens in addition to helping you become a better basketball player. So I think that because of the information that's out there today, I think kids, if you want to, kids have an opportunity to make a better decision. It's just a matter of, who's in their ear and who they're taking advice from. Yeah, man, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head. And, and we'll we'll transition into your Hoop Heads podcast here. But sure. just kind of a concluding thought there. You know, I'm only 23, Mike. I'm a, I'm a young gun, fresh out of college. Um, and I think it is astounding um, how much I've noticed the second the game is taken from you, just in terms of playing, how much you realize. And I heard you say there, you know, from your perspective now, looking back on it, you know, trying to, you wish you could almost go back and tell your 17 year old self, man, like this is the fit for you. Like stop searching. It's right there in front of you. And I think I've noticed in such a short time being removed from the game, 
how much you realize once once it's not oh man basketball is not everything in my life you know what i mean um yeah. so i think it's interesting for you to say that and and hopefully some of our young young people out there can try to uh listen to this advice as much as possible and pursue those schools that want them but let's jump into your hoop heads podcast man sure. so so you started this back in 2018 um i'm gonna get into some of your guests and i got a few good questions for you i'm gonna give you a quick um just like we did with head start give me a quick background on on why did hoop heads start and uh you know what are your thoughts on your hoop heads podcast as it sits today sure. absolutely so we started it like i said i think the first episode was uh, an nba an nba finals episode on may 30th of 2018 okay probably had in the back of my head i kept putting a podcast down on my to-do list for probably i would guess almost two years before that wow and tried to figure out how to pull the trigger both from a technology standpoint then also from a format standpoint was yep. it just going to be me talking about basketball issues was it going to be an interview show what did that look like and so i kept putting it at the top of the to-do list and then every month i would rewrite it or every week i would rewrite it because i never could figure out how to pull the trigger yeah at one point i tried to do it just me talking behind a microphone and i found that to be boring both from a standpoint of me doing it by myself was boring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then also just listening to, Oh, it's horrible. One person it sucks listening to yourself. <laughs> one person, one person just talking about whatever. Yeah. I'm like, uh, nobody, you know, nobody's going to want to listen to this. Yeah. So I, I scrapped that idea. So then I started looking around thinking about, all right, what, who can, who could be my co-host? What could the show look like? And finally settled on a guy who was a friend of mine. He actually came to my basketball camps when he was a kid. So he's about 15 years younger than me. Okay. And, he and I had become friends and he's worked for me at camp. And so Jason Sunkel is his name. And he and I decided, okay, we're going to do a, a show that's going to try to help youth basketball parents to be able to navigate the landscape of youth basketball. Cause as you guys know, there's a lot of miseducation out there of parents. There's a lot of people who are uninformed yep. about yep. the process of what's important, what's not important, what programs are good, what programs are not good. And so we thought with our experience that we could shed some light on topics that might be of value to people who are out there navigating the youth basketball landscape. And so that's how the show started. We ended up doing, I think, 15, maybe 16 episodes like that, mm -hmm. where it was just Jason and I, we pick a topic. And just as an example, like we did one on don't coach your kid from the stand. So we talked about why you shouldn't do that right. and what some of the pitfalls are, of, you know, yelling from the sidelines. And each episode is probably anywhere from, I don't know, 25 to 35 minutes, something like that. And then as we were doing that, we had in the back of our head that at some point we might want to start doing some interviews. And the first thought was we're going to do some interviews with some local, we're based in Cleveland, Ohio. So some local high school coaches here in the Cleveland area. And so that was kind of in the back of our head, but it wasn't something that we were ready to dive into right out of the gate. But what happened was we started looking around like, okay, we got to figure out if we're going to do that, we got to figure out the technology for how we can do it so that we end up getting some quality audio and we end up doing it so that when we call somebody up, yep. we don't sound foolish for sure. <laughs> saying, Hey guys, here's what we're going to try to do. And then the things cutting out or the audio quality is bad. Yeah. So we had to figure that out. So we ended up through a sort of a little circuitous route. I ended up getting connected to Alan Stein, who I had listened to his podcast previously. Yep. And that was when Alan, who currently is corporate speaking, but 
he was at that time uh, still at his uh, stronger team website, which was his own company. And then eventually he went with Drew Hanlon and Pro Skills and mm-hmm. took some of his things over there. So I got connected to Alan through a previous thing that I was doing, which was a blog. And I reached out to some internet basketball people to see if anybody wanted to contribute to that. And Alan respectfully wrote back to me and said, Hey, I'm really busy. I transitioned into corporate speaking. So I'm not really in the basketball world anymore. And I ended up connecting him to a friend who I thought could help him with the corporate speaking. And through that, uh, Alan was coming to Cleveland for an event and ended up having him be our first interview. Nice. And he was tremendous. Uh, that first interview was uh, really, really good. It was super nice of him to sit down with us and, and record the very first interview. And about a week after I had Alan on, I went to a USA basketball coaching clinic that was here in Cleveland. And there I ended up listening to a speaker named Greg White, who is a high school basketball coach in Arkansas. And after having Alan and Greg on the podcast and then with my own network, between those three networks, it was amazing what would happen is Alan would say, hey, I really enjoyed coming out with you. Here's some people that I think would be great guests for your show. Wow, yeah. And Greg ended up doing the same thing. He said, here's some people that I think would be great. And so they each connected me to a whole bunch of people. And then it just sort of snowballed from there to the point where we'd have guys calling us. We would end up getting people on and then ask them, hey, is there anybody else in your network that you think would be good to come on the show with us? And they would be willing to share their list of contacts of people that they thought would be good. And it just kind of took off from there. We never did another episode related to youth sports parenting. Not that it's not, it's still a theme that yeah, I think yeah, comes yeah. through in the podcast, but we didn't do an episode of just Jason and I yeah. talking about those topics. It's It quickly just became an interview show. Gotcha. And it's been a blast for me to be able to talk hoops with people from all over the country. You get to hear different perspectives you get to hear different things that guys are doing you get to hear their approaches yeah and it's been it's been so much fun for me one of the things that i always say that i miss about actually coaching at the high school level which i haven't done now for 10 years or so is the time sitting in the coach's office after practice or after a game and just talking basketball yeah i really feel like this podcast kind of does the same thing for me it gives me that opportunity to sit down and talk to coaches from all over the country and basketball personalities from everywhere and pick their brain, hear what they're doing and just talk basketball. And so from that standpoint, it's been, um, it's been an amazing ride. If you would have told me back when we started that some of the people that we've been able to have on some of the conversations I've been able to have and some of the things that I've been able to do as a result of the podcast, I would have told you you were crazy. So it's been, it's been a crazy ride with the hoop heads pod, but we're having a blast with it. Yes. There's no end in sight at this point. Yeah, yeah, and I assume you would have started it about two years earlier, as you said. You put it off for two years, right? If you would have known, yep, yeah. you'd have known you had these guys. So I'll I'll list off a few of your guests here, man. And, sure. And for our listeners out there, it's a phenomenal podcast. I've uh, I've listened to quite a good bit, Mike, and I thoroughly enjoy it. And I think you hit the the nail on the head. It's it's great to hear all these different perspectives. Whether it's you know you've had John O'Sullivan, who's an author of Every Moment Matters, Paul Biancardi, who we've had here, who's ESPN's national recruiting director, Mike. Dunlap, Loyola Marymount's uh, university head coach, Jay Billis, everybody knows Jay Billis, um, Jay Dimmings, who we've had, the USA B-Ball Youth and Sports um, Development Director, James Clear, who's a New York Times bestseller, Mike Jones, the Matha Catholic head coach um, for the Varsity Boys team. That's just listing off a, a couple that I wrote down um, just to give our audience an idea of, of the basketball minds that have been on your show. And, and I completely agree, man. I, I think what is awesome about your podcast is those mo- 
multiple perspectives that you get to hear because basketball is 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 played differently, interpreted differently, spoken with different lingo in different areas of uh, of the country and the world. So I, I'd ask you, man, what are some of the main takeaways you've learned from your podcast guests in terms of you've gotten to hear all these different perspectives. What do you think some of the large takeaways you've taken from getting to speak to these other great basketball minds? So one of the things that I thought about when I was thinking about this question is what was a theme that went through basically every coach, no matter what the level was, Okay. You're talking about a college basketball coach. You're talking about a high school basketball coach. You're talking about somebody who's on the AAU side of it. What was something that stuck with me from basically every interview we've done? And the like one that, thing yeah. that st- sticks out more than anything is how important coaches feel that relationships with their players are. And that's a theme that has come through, I would say, in 95% of the episodes that we've done with somebody who is actively coaching a team. At some point during the conversation, inevitably, we got around to how important relationships are between Mm -hmm. players and coaches. And so then you get into how do coaches build those relationships, how important it is to value players, not just as a basketball player and what they can do for that coach on the floor, but to really take the time to get to know the kids who are on your team, to understand what makes them tick, to be involved in their lives and know what goes on in their families, their homes, with their social lives. And almost to a T, every single coach said that when they have better relationships with their players, they end up having a better team because they can coach their team harder. Their team knows that they have respect for them. Their team knows that they love them. And as a result, when you ask them to do something that makes them uncomfortable or you ask them to, push a little bit beyond what they think they're capable of when the players know that it's coming from someone who loves them, someone who cares about them. And that relationship is there. It makes it easier for that to happen. And when you have those relationships, player to coach, it also tends to foster good player to player relationships. Mm -hmm. It tends to foster good relationships between the coach and the player's family because the player's family and parents understand where the coach is coming from. And so that relationship piece is a huge theme that's come through in the podcast with every coach we've talked about. And then I would say the second thing that's come through is the understanding. I think this probably goes mostly to the high school side of it, although it's certainly true on the college level, but I think it's probably always been true on the college level and maybe not so much in the high school, the time that's required in order to be successful as a high school coach Mm. has increased dramatically over the last 10 to 15 years coaches talk about the amount of time that they spend watching film, the amount of time that they spend putting together off season workouts, the amount of time that they spend practice planning, the amount of time they spend in the off season in the weight room with conditioning, with going to shootouts and camps and these things that if you go back 15, 20, 25 years ago, a high school coach was coaching during the season, maybe had some open gyms, maybe went to one week of team camp and that was pretty much it. And now the baseline amount of time that you have to put in as a high school coach has increased dramatically. And that's just to be on par with everybody else. The guys who really are successful go above and beyond what time is required. But I think that everybody has said to us that people on the outside, whether it's parents, people who are just high school basketball fans, don't understand necessarily the amount of time 
that a high school coach is putting in, and then you combine that with the amount of money that a high school coach gets paid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you end up making like ten it's cents an hour. Not that, yeah, absolutely. And not that anybody who's been on has said that they would trade that for the world, but I think that to help people to understand, you know, we hear a lot of things about people complaining about this coach doesn't know what he's doing, and that coach is, you know, playing time and this and that and all these different issues. And I think people sometimes forget that the amount of time that coaches are putting in to help their kids be successful and to help their program be successful. And I, and I think it's also goes back to what we talked about off the top where, you know, it's not just about helping kids to become the best basketball players that they can be. The guys that we've had on the women that we've had on have all talked about how it's not just about making their basketball program be the best that can be out on the floor and the results on the scoreboard. It's about, 10 years from now when a kid calls him up and says, Hey coach, I got a new job. Or, hey coach, I'm getting married. Or, hey coach, I just had my first child. Yeah. Those are the things yep. that coaches base their success on. And sure wins and losses are important. And everybody who comes on who's coaching is competitive and wants to win. But I think that it comes through very, very loud and clear when you listen to our episodes that these coaches care, not just about wins and losses on the scoreboard, but they care about impacting young people and helping them to improve their lives. And that to me is just so gratifying to hear. Cause when I think about what coaches have done for me over the course of my life, and again, like, as I said before, the impact that basketball has had on me, I feel like it's what's driven me to the success, whatever success I've been able to have in life. I attribute to the lessons that I learned yeah. from coaches and through the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. I think uh, looking at a kind of hot, hot topic right now. You look at Andy Reid, who, who, you know, just won his first Super Bowl. Um, we put up a stat on our social media. He's been coaching for 28 years, I believe, 21 years as a head coach, and he just got his first Super Bowl. But Andy Reid is known as one of the better coaches out there, and and he's talked about it before. He's talked about it's it's not always been about the wins and losses for him. It's about those relationships. And, and, and I know we're talking football, but his coaching tree, people that have coached under him have gone on to be in incredibly successful at other teams and and you've seen players that just love playing for him and they never won a Super Bowl you know and I think it's just interesting to hear that everyone else is all on that same page of you can be a great coach by building relationships and and hopefully those relationships and like you said getting the guy to believe in you and, and you know the popular turn get him to run through a wall for you hopefully that leads to enough wins to eventually bring home a, a couple uh you know conference championships or if you're very fortunately luckily lucky a state championship or national championship or or an NBA finals at the highest level of our game um I, I would love to ask you two two-part question as we kind of get to the end of um our conversation here who were some of your favorite guests that you've had on your podcast and what was your favorite episode of your podcast Whew, that's tough um so I would say it's kind of like choosing between your own kids yeah yeah uh, it's, tough, it's tough to pick out just one I will say that a couple things that stand out to me is I love the episodes that we've done with high school coaches. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I love the ones with high school coaches is because those guys and those women don't always get a chance to share their backstory. And so if you're a Division One college coach, you've probably had an opportunity to have an in-depth article written about you at some point where you've gotten to share your background and just what the game meant to you and how you came up into it and how you got into coaching. And so from a high school basketball standpoint, a lot of times if there is an article written about a coach, it's maybe written about their team in a particular season, but they don't always get to share 
their story. So I enjoy getting a chance to a hear those stories, but also giving an opportunity to those high school coaches to be able to share their story Mm -hmm. so that people in their community and then people who are other coaches across the country can hear those stories because I think they're interesting and I think there's a lot of things that can be that can be pulled out from them uh favorite episodes who uh I know that I we did one recently probably within the last two months with Phil Beckner okay who Phil uh worked uh in the at in the college level uh coaching coached at the high school level uh he was at Weber State when Damian Lillard was there so he currently still works with Dame who love Dame been on a nice tear yeah. uh, but Phil just had a lot of things to say uh, again that echo a lot of the themes that we've heard but some of the stories that he told were fantastic one of the things that sticks out for me with him is that he just talked about how you know he just happened to be in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and that what's important to him is not making a big name for himself it's making a big name for the players that he worked with whether he was coaching at the college level or now when he's working with Damian Lillard it's just an opportunity for him to be able to impact lives. And so his episode I thought was really well done. I go back to my very first episode with Alan Stein and I probably did more prep for that. <laughs> I was probably more nervous for that one yeah, than yeah. I've been in a long time, probably since I was playing and Alan made it super easy because he was obviously very experienced with podcasting and answering questions and being behind the microphone. So I'll always be indebted to Alan for that. And then we had, we've done some episodes with Greg White. Uh, we've done multiple episodes with him where come on and talk about some different topics that are relevant to high school coaches. So I always enjoy those because yeah. I think they're, they have instant takeaways that if you're a high school coach and you want to listen to that episode, you can find little bits and pieces of things that you can take back right away to your team to be able to help you to improve. And then, like I said, there's just been so many good people on it's hard to oh yeah you know, it's hard it's hard to really dissect and say this one's my favorite versus that one those are a couple that stand out to me yeah. simply because those guys have kind of been with me from the from the very beginning they've been great supporters of you know what we're trying to do here with the hoop heads pod yeah absolutely yeah no I mean, that's a again i'm looking at these names from jay billis to to mike jones to bobby and cardi I mean, that's a it's a hard list to choose from but i, I appreciate sure. you being a good sport on it i'll ask you one final question man and we'll, we'll close this thing out um do you have any other podcast recommendations you know we're here trying to uh you know help help our audience be aware of your podcast which is phenomenal and again for anyone listening the hoop heads pod uh please check it out you will you will receive great information from it but do you have any other podcasts um, that you would recommend that maybe you listen to or that you think are just you know great great quality content so i like podcasts honestly like i'll listen to a bunch of different nba podcasts and they're kind of the standard ones i listen to to bill simmons and now he's out with the book of basketball so i enjoy those because we as part of the hoop heads pod will do one nba episode a week which is just jason and i talking we usually don't have guests every once in a while we'll have somebody that'll jump on and join us but for the most part that's just us talking so i like to listen to those and then i spend a lot of my time honestly listening to business podcasts that talk about entrepreneurship so two that i really enjoy that i've been listening to a lot lately uh one is with masters of scale with reed hoffman who was one of the co-founders of linkedin okay and he does a really good job i really enjoy that one and then there's another one that's an npr podcast called how i built this and the host of that podcast is Guy Raz. And basically he, I would almost equate his podcast is very similar to 
our podcast in the sense that what we do with a basketball coach where we kind of go back to their backstory and how did you get into coaching and what made you fall in love with the game of basketball and then how did you build your program he almost does the same thing on the business side we'll okay. go back with an entrepreneur and say well where'd you get the idea and what was the process like and what were the ups and downs you go through the whole story of how people have started businesses so those are two that i find to be interesting and they also help i think if we're thinking about it from somebody who's listening to this who maybe is a basketball parent or a mm-hmm. basketball coach i think it helps you to clarify your thinking and just get an idea i love listening to people who are intelligent and have great ideas and then i try to take the lessons that they've learned and apply them in my own life so those are two that when i'm not listening to nba pods those are two that i'm spending a lot of time listening to right now yeah that's awesome man well uh number one i want to say thank you again for for hopping on our podcast um for anyone out there again hoop heads pod um check it out you'll love it as well as head start basketball um be on the lookout for upcoming events that they have um and mike i i really enjoyed talking to you man before when we were on our phone call a couple minutes before we started this i said we were looking at about a 20 to 25 minute podcast i've kept you for about 40 minutes here because i just <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I think it's uh, easy to keep it going oh I found, man I can keep talking to you yeah but I think a great theme man from today that I, I heard you over and over talking about is is kind of relationships and 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 you didn't really mention stats a ton we talked about your thousand points for a moment but from your career from head start and how it built and the connections you made to your podcast you weren't talking about reviews you weren't talking about plays you weren't talking about the numbers you were talking about the relationships and I, I think that's an awesome theme for so many people out there listening to to take home especially players um you know yes i mentioned your thousand points but the the i'm sure you would say the relationships you took from your college days and all of this are are far greater and more impactful for you than knowing that you scored a thousand points in in college you know um so I, I just think that's an awesome theme and and i really enjoyed you being on here man so thank you so much for joining mike yeah we appreciate it thanks for the opportunity it was a blast to come on and talk basketball, share a little bit about what we're doing with the Hoop Heads pod and share a little bit of my backstory as well. You guys are doing great things. Brendan and I have gotten to know each other mm-hmm. both through the podcast and we met in person last year down at the Billis camp and uh, it was great to have him on and I appreciate the opportunity you guys reaching out to me and feeling that I'm worthy to be on your show and with all the great things that you're doing. I got a lot of respect for what you guys do there at Pro Skills, and I think that you're doing it right. And we need more people in the youth basketball space that are doing things right, and you guys certainly are. So keep up the good work down there, and I appreciate you having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk about the things that we're doing here with the Hoop Heads Pod and Head Start Basketball. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, I hope I can have another conversation with you here again soon. So that was the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. We will be back at you guys tomorrow with some good content, so stay tuned. Thanks, Mike. You got it, man.